Welcome to 10 Minute TechCom. This is Ryan Weber coming to you from the University of Alabama at Huntsville. Today, I welcome Liz Fraley, an internationally recognized single sourcing expert who's here to tell us why you might want to consider getting on the single sourcing bandwagon. Let's have a listen. Welcome to the podcast, Liz. We really appreciate you joining us today to talk about single sourcing. And to get going, it would be really helpful if you could provide just sort of a a very clear and accessible definition for what single sourcing is. So the definition I like is one actually that came out of a a book that was written in 2000. It's Kurt Ament, Mm A-M-E-N-T. It's called Single Sourcing, Building Modular Documentation. And it is as well written today as it was 15 years ago. And it's single sourcing is a method for reusing information by separating input from output and separating information architecture from information development. Great. Can you talk us through the definition just a bit? Sure. So the classical example is the first one, separating input from output. You're going to deliver the same content to multiple formats. So my example is one that usually speaks pretty well to everybody. It's a resume example. Everybody's got a resume, Mm -hmm. right? And usually you have a really nice well-formatted, printed one on really nice paper that you can take in and hand to someone. But you probably also have a Word version because that's what the HR recruiters want that scans in and goes into their systems. Mm-hmm. right? And it may look different because it's for scanning. Right. Right. It's not for visual presentation. You also probably have a PDF you put on the web. You've got LinkedIn. You've got maybe an HTML version of your resume that's also on the web. Those .me sites. If you're an engineer or you're a computer scientist, those guys, those managers want a text version that's pasted into email, no format, so they can zip through it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then if you're applying to a government job, they want to know every job you ever had. They want to know every address you ever lived at. Right. Right. But they're usually when you make a resume, you're pointing it toward a particular job and you'll include or exclude things or highlight different things that you did. It can be a lot of work to maintain all of those formats and all of those resumes. The next time you do a job, you've got to update everything. Right. Right. The idea of between single sourcing is so say you write your resume once in this nice ASCII format or you know, XML or SGML or whatever you want to do it, some kind of format. You've got everything in there. And you've got this job applies to a manager job. This job applies to an individual contributor. Job. This applies to this kind of job, trainer. Here's all the addresses I ever lived at, which is like two dozen from college, uh-huh. <laughs> right? But you can take that information, choose a profile, I'm creating a printed copy of the manager resume and out it comes, right? And you can do the text version of the trainer resume and just automatically produce it from the original source. You don't have to update everything. You don't have to change a bunch of different documents and output formats. You just change the initial source and reproduce the output. What you're demonstrating is, you know, you've got a single source of information, right, which is all this resume stuff saved in one place. And then this allows you to cater both the particular content and the particular media for different different audiences, different outputs. Yep. I did this with my own stuff for years, actually. It's a good strategy. Obviously, you've already kind of hinted at this, but what are some of the advantages of doing this? The biggest one is the reusable content. And whether or not you are doing it to reformat to a new output format, because who knows what's coming along. None of us guessed 10 years ago that iPads were coming and we were going to have to care what that format looked like. Didn't even know that it was a format. But being able to just take your original source, have it transformed to to support a new device, a new output, that's the biggest and almost classical reason for doing single sourcing. One of the other advantages is when you've got this 
reusability. You've got this, these pieces of content that you can assemble and deliver to whatever format you're, you're aiming for. Is you get that ability to do assembly, mm-hmm. right? So think through the, the resume example. I can do just the, the trainer's resume by pulling out pieces. So I'm assembling a new resume actually for a specific audience out of the entire content that makes up my background and my total resume. And I don't have to do really all that much work to add a new audience, right? I, all I have to do is find those pieces I want to re, to assemble for a new audience, identify them, and deliver, right. right? Something that would take days updating all those little formats takes me minutes. Sounds like a huge time saver and it sounds like, again, you know, if you make minor changes to a document, you edit that only once instead of many times which sounds a whole lot handier. So what about challenges then? You know, it sounds like if you do this well, it really saves time. But what kinds of challenges come along in the course of trying to single source? We are trained linearly, right? Mm -hmm. We are trained to read and write books through our educational system. We're thinking about the format. We're thinking about later in the chapter, I'll show you. That doesn't mean anything if you've got content on the web and somebody Googled it. Later's on some other page somewhere else. Right, or not in this document at all. Or not there anymore, exactly. So there's some adjustment to how to write and to think of things as modules rather than linear structure. We call it getting away from book brain. There's ways to change the way you write so you're writing for your audience, for their absolute needs, and not because some arbitrary rule says this is how documents should be structured. And that can be really difficult because we're, you know, we spent however many years in school and it drilled into us, but we're no longer really writing for grades, we're writing for other things. And that can be really difficult, learning how to write modularly. And then when you throw in things like the new tools that come in and thinking, being able to think of your document from an architectural perspective as separate from the writing job, you're learning a lot of things at once. And the learning curve can be pretty steep and a little bit scary. What kinds of strategies and tools do you recommend to make single sourcing work better? <laughs> the tool problem. Tools are 10% of your success. I don't recommend tools until I've had a thorough discussion with someone and understand their absolute requirements. Too often you end up with the same mess, different tools. Yeah, it's actually the last thing you should do. If you know what your requirements are, the tools will tell you which ones to use. Okay. No question about that. We work with customers and we look at their content and we talk about the real motivation behind a question, right? So here's a real thing that happened. Somebody came to me with a topic and had 15 sections. As a did a topic had 15 sections. Like, well, why do you have 15 sections in this one topic? And the answer was, well, you know, I didn't know how to break it up and it was due, so I just did it this way. <laughs> right. So you don't have time to do it well and make your customer successful, but you have time to do it badly. If you've got it really thought out, you've got the modules written, and you're really working through the architecture, you can do it well in the time allotted because half the stuff you shouldn't have to write because it's already done. I like your point. Don't get locked into a tool. Don't start with a tool because it may not meet your needs. What is step one then? If I'm in an organization and I want to start single sourcing, where do I start? Start with a survey of what you actually actually have written. And usually we think we know what this is. And, you know, there are some writers or editors that really are plugged totally into their document set. Mm -hmm. 
which is amazing for me to see. Most of us, we know sort of where things are, but you're not really taking sort of a fine tooth comb look at it. I'll have customers who, some of them like spreadsheets, some of them like Word documents. It doesn't matter what tool you use, but you might start with a spreadsheet where you list across the top all the sections in the book. You can do it by title or you can do it by concept. Like I have a preface and it has warranty information and it has copyrights. And then I've got indications for use and it must be followed by instructions for using the document must be followed by, right? Whatever. You don't really sort of know our structures, but almost very few of us really construct the same book the same way every time. Uh And if you look at them, you'll start to see, well, oh, look, well, this one switched those two sections. Or these sections are really supposed to be the same, but talks about this other stuff. You really have to look at it. And you're looking for things at that level, the big structural level, but you're also looking for things that are small, like the warning that shows up repeatedly at the beginning of every procedure that says, put the bracelet on and ground yourself or you'll get electrocuted. You can use multiple pieces of paper. You can use a whiteboard. You can use little sticky notes on the wall. And let me say, you can put aside the ones that are hard. Right, that's always the inclination. Exactly. You don't know what you're going to be up against. And usually you end up with maybe a handful or a couple of handfuls of two hard topics. The rest is pretty easy to triage. And you get a feel for how your information fits together and what it is just by doing the exercise. Okay. That's where we start. I know that's a lot of what you do is you help clients transition into single sourcing environments. Can you tell us maybe one success story that you've seen? There's a medical device company. They started their SGML journey way back when, switched to XML in 1999, and I went back to them in 2010 and said it wasn't worth it. And as a medical device company, they're always at risk of FDA coming in and closing the doors and saying, go home and lose $50 million a day. The FDA can actually tell them, truly, it has happened, move this comma or you don't ship. So they want to be sure that their information is absolutely guaranteed. It has passed all the regulators. It is high quality, no errors, perfect information every time they publish. So they went to single sourcing so they could break things into pieces and have each piece independently validated. Then they want to build a book, new product. They say, all these pieces come in. I don't even have to have them reviewed, right? And you can assemble the book with all those pieces. And they write the few pieces they need that reflect the new product. There's two benefits to this. One, the quality is guaranteed. The second part is they can build that new book for the new product in a matter of days because half their information is already validated and written for the book. The best part of their story is they're a medical device company. We all know the margins are high on medical devices, but their documentation team for putting in this single sourcing system, they received the company's highest honor for saving the company more money than they make on any other product. Wow. That's amazing. Great. Well, thanks, Liz. I really appreciate it. Can you tell us where we can find more about you? We're at single-sourcing.com. Thanks again for talking with us. Sure. Thank you.